Hello and welcome back to another edition of the Final Siren podcast. Thanks to Draft Central. I'm your host, Peter Williams, and today I'm joined once again by AFL Draft Editor Michael Alvaro. Michael, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me once again, Pete. So today on the Pocket Podcast, we're going to be chatting about one of the most talked about topics, I guess, in this year's draft, which is the 2020 NGA Academy or Father-Son Players. And what we're going to delve into is not just the players themselves, but which club potentially has the best 2020 haul. Now, it's going to be quite interesting because we've sort of briefly discussed off air, like, what order it is. We're, we're, we're pretty aligned. There's a couple of differences that we like and, and perhaps would change. Um, but certainly in terms of uh, the top end, we're sort of agreeing in which ones we think are the best. Um, so I guess, Michael, before we get stuck into it, uh, obviously a lot of talk about how compromised this draft is. How, how compromised do you sort of see this draft as a whole? Well, I mean, it's the most compromised ever, isn't it? And uh, I think it, it shows in that um, the consensus, you know, best player in the crop, Jamara Yugelhagen, is tied to a club already. So, um, you know, there's going to be probably a couple more in the top 10 and, um, you know, a few, other, a few others thereafter who are going to make the bidding, bidding proce- uh, process very, um, well, hot. For sure. So we'll get stuck into the uh, different clubs and where we sort of rate them. Um, so for me personally, um, the top club that I think are getting their picks is Sydney. Braden Campbell and Errol Goulden, I think they're the top two um, for me that it, in terms of all the clubs, because each of them, there's probably two clubs that have two top 25 picks straight out the bat. Fantastic. Uh, and both these players are that. Obviously, Campbell, you'd say, is that, so that top 10 potential range. Goulden's uh, late first, probably second, depending, but certainly uh, size-wise, he's, he's a lot better than that. So, it's quite interesting to see uh, those two players come in. Obviously, they can play similar roles, but Campbell's probably will play more inside, Goulden more outside uh, in the future. But, um, Michael, they're, they're sort of my pick. Uh, what do you sort of think and uh, what do you sort of, I guess, like about those players? Yeah, I mean, those two have been tied to each other pretty much throughout the whole pathway from under-16s up. Um, you know, it's great for the Swans that they're going to get to you know, probably first round talents in the end. Um, certainly Campbell is a top 10 candidate who is just so highly touted. And, and Goulden, I mean, we say if he was 10, 10 centimetres taller, um, you know, he'd be talked about right up there as well. His numbers stack up, um, you know, against some of the best players in the, uh, in the draft crop this year. So, yeah, I definitely have them as a combination as the best two um, for any club in terms of, and, you know, they're obviously academy aligned. The Sydney Swans obviously have guys like Marco Rossman and Mark Sheetha who may also get a look in um, amongst others. So that, that depth for them is pretty strong as well. I think it, it makes them the clear uh, number one candidate in this sort of debate. For sure. And the, the clear number two candidate, I sort of briefly mentioned it before because if we're talking top-end talent, they're the other team that are getting the uh, top 25 picks uh, in terms of everything is Gold Coast, who get Alex Davies and Joel Jeffrey. Now, obviously, Alex Davies was touted as a, as a first-round pick inside midfielder. Can play other positions, but predominantly uh, that inside midfielder, uh, being compared to Scott Pendlebury at times, but sort of, uh, you know, he's still developing, but certainly that bigger-bodied midfielder. Uh, and then Joel Jeffrey, who is probably that lighter type, but he's taller, um, 
elite athlete, uh, still working on his endurance, but as a whole, he's just a fantastic uh, prospect in terms of upside. So for me, what I like about Gold Coast personally is the fact that they're getting two players that are, are very different in many ways. Like they're both bigger, but they they can play different roles. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think the fact that they're getting these guys effectively for free makes it that much better. So, um, you know, I mean, you could put them number one for that uh, exact reason in that they're not going to, you know, there's no cost attached to them in terms of draft points and bidding. So they're going to be pre-listed pretty much for free and become Gold Coast players from the off. So, you know, we talk about depth with Sydney. Uh, guys like Brody Lake are also aligned to the Suns. Max Peskid, um, you know, Reese Nichols, they're all types who could easily be drafted um, and attract interest from other clubs. So, I mean, that, that Gold Coast team is going to be really well stocked in terms of young talent and, and Davies obviously as that tall midfielder and Jeffrey as a swingman up either end, it, it just makes for a really good spine going forward. Third one that I wanted to go down, uh, we're going to move across to South Australia now because obviously now it gets a bit tricky because even as I read this out, there's a few clubs that I think are pretty even from this point on. Um, and the one that I sort of wanted to identify was Port Adelaide because the two main ones they've got, uh, Lachlan Jones and Taj Schofield. Now, obviously, Lockie Jones we've heard a lot about. Uh, potential top 10 pick, um, generally a defender, you know, tough, ready-made, played senior footy, won a premiership with the Eagles in the sample. Um, Taj Schofield just has sort of flown under the radar a bit, so I sort of feel like Port will get him for great value because he's such a skillful, small, quite a, a good all-rounder. But um, in terms of, you know, what he's sort of almost been a bit um, yeah, literally under the radar, sort of in, in Jones's shadow in that sense, because Jones has taken all the headlines. But for me, I think Porter getting some great quality into their lineup. What, what are your sort of thoughts about those two? Yeah, well, it's ironic, I think, because Schofield initially was the one who was so highly touted. Um, you know, from the outset, he um, obviously moved from WA to South Australia with his famous father, uh, who played for Port Adelaide. And and has come through the pathways. But, yeah, maybe not come on as much in terms of a, a midfield prospect on the inside. Uh, he was working on that side of the, his game this year. But, yeah, Jones has certainly overtaken him um, in terms of, you know, rankings and, and things like that and may even go top 10. So what I think, though, is, is that um, having Port in that position is a difficult one to call because Fremantle's hall is very close to them, I think, with um, Joel Weston and, and Brandon Walker at the least. So, obviously, Keanu Haddale is, is another guy who could be picked up perhaps as a rookie under the Next Generation Academy. And, and Morris Riley Jr. has ties at a stretch. He's, we know he's probably uh, loyal to Richmond, but I'd say, you know, that overall haul is very, very close to what Jones and Schofield can offer as well. Yeah, definitely. I think with uh, the differences and, and what we like to compare between them is obviously Jones is going to be the first picked out of those four. Um, and then you'll see Weston Walker and then Schofield will probably be the last. So you're looking at the two that um, are probably the uh, straight in, able to contribute in some way, like athletic type. Um, and they're obviously that middle ground where obviously you've got that potential top 10 and then the, the later on in the draft. Um, obviously, yeah, it's very tough. Fremantle have had a great development program for, for years and they were the one that I was also looking up and, and reassessing whether I put them at the third hall. And to be honest, I think Fremantle would rather, like the fans would rather uh, they be lower down. So I think they prefer my rankings not to talk them up as we know. 
Um, but certainly, look, I, I, I do like what Fremantle certainly have there. And um, I, I think I, I just really rate Schofield as well, which is the reason why I think that they're getting him for great value. But certainly I can agree that I'd be more than happy that, you know, you could have Fremantle in that third spot and Port in the fourth and, and vice versa. So um, I definitely think that that's easy enough. Um, the After that, the next team we have up, I've got is the Bulldogs purely because Jamari Ugelhagen is a ridiculous talent that potentially, and I mean, it's fair enough, I think we both agree, top prospect in the draft. They're not going to pay pick one to get him. So straight off that, you're winning, regardless of anything else. But they've also obviously got a couple of other prospects uh, that they could really talk about in, you know, Cody Rackenew and McPherson there, um, who have, you know, both been coming up and developing. And, uh, well, McPherson got the draft combine invite. Ruck didn't, but he's still got, you know, He's shown some good signs coming through as that sort of uh, tall defender, I guess you'd say, up the other end. Um, and so they've got some options there. They know that they won't have to pay too much for them, which is great considering how much they're going to have to pay for Eugle Hagen at the top. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's hard to look past the Bulldogs just because they're going to have Eugle Hagen, um, you know, right at the top. And being able to have a free hit at potentially Rark and McPherson is you know, a pretty good position to be in. Whether they have those picks by the end of their draft hall um, will be the question. And, I mean, they're no guarantee because, obviously, um, you know, the doggies overlooked Darcy McPherson a few years ago, the, the brother of Ewan. So, um, as a father-son candidate, there's, there's still no guarantees. But he's definitely one who could provide some value later on as a small kind of uh, defender or midfielder. And, and Cody Rark is that pure defender as well, who's really been working on his one-on-one craft. So, yeah, I mean, that's a good haul just because of the front end and, and then the potential to have a couple at the back as well. Yeah, and, and since we've sort of been doing this podcast, I mean, we spoke off air about the order and I've been looking at it and staring at this last three and um, I have actually changed my mind looking at this order. I do think uh, I originally had Brisbane marginally ahead of Adelaide, but I do agree that I think as a whole, Adelaide's um, trio that we're going to talk about is marginally ahead of Brisbane in the sense that I, I feel like Brisbane's top one in uh, Coleman, Blake Coleman, could end up the best of the lot. But I think that the the depth of Adelaide with Paul Ace, Newchurch and Edwards is better than uh, Carter Michael and Saxon Crozier, who are the other two um, academy members who got picked. So I definitely think that on all up, that they've certainly got that. I feel like Brisbane has more consistency um, if we, we know what we're going to get out of them. Um, but certainly I think with uh, Adelaide, uh, Paul Ace being the tall, Newchurch being the exciting forward, Edwards being the, the midfielder who's sort of been remade for years. Um, you've got three different types there that uh, the Crows could introduce. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm glad I twisted your arm a little there with, um, with putting Adelaide just ahead. I'd say... Yeah, I mean, Newchurch and Coleman are a little comparable in that they're those exciting forwards who can make things happen and, and win games. Um, you look at Edwards, as you mentioned, he's ready-made. I think he's one who, who probably hasn't come on, but will get a chance, obviously, as a father-son, um, but even in the open draft, which he's sort of flirted with a little bit. Um, and then Ball Ace, as an NGA pick, he's one who's really developed well, probably over the last couple of years, but particularly this year, and sort of shot into that top 40 range, I think. Um, so potentially they're all players who are, are going to be taken in the in the national draft for Adelaide. Um, Brisbane the same, but you can even see Michael and, and Crozier being pushed out uh, really late or even to the rookie spots. But 
I mean, then again, you look at um, the way that Brisbane were made to match bids last year, the sort of, um, you know, the antics from Richmond in, in bidding on two players in a row in Will Martin and Noel Cumberland, they could be made to, to be accountable um, at the draft. So it'll be interesting to see after Coleman sort of where those other couple players fit. And then obviously, you know, there's guys like Jack Brisky um, outside of that who, who could also go. So, yeah, I just have Adelaide ahead to summarise. But, yeah, Brisbane's, Brisbane's crop's been pretty well touted from a long way out too. And I think it's probably fair to say you've seen a lot of the sample footy this year uh, and I've seen a lot of the quaffle footy. So that probably also has a little bit of bias there watching them uh, run around. But I certainly agree uh, that Newchurch could be anything. Belace has had a sensational season. And I think all six could definitely be up there, but certainly Coleman from Brisbane and Carter Michael I really rate. So uh, it's great to see some of them uh, potentially on the list uh, at the end of the year. We'll see how it goes. Um, the final team that we've got, just for now, which has the the more than one uh, academy uh, player to be drafted realistically, is Essendon, and obviously a couple of talls in Co- oh, Cody Brand and Josh Eyre. So, what can you sort of tell us about them? Yeah, so Cody Brand's probably the higher touted of the two. Is more of a, a pure defender, a fullback, um, one who can play really well aerially, and then sort of has a few nice athletic traits as well. Josh Eyre is one who's really raw. Um, he can play up either end or even on a wing. Um, but, yeah, sort of that key position size again, who can, um, you know, he fares pretty well aerially, but then is really good across the ground as well. So as a combo, they're going to be a couple of sort of later picks um, who could provide really good value for Essendon um, should a, a bid not really come too early. Um, I know a few Essendon fans are pretty high on him, uh, even Ed Pascoe, uh, as we may mention in other podcasts, an Essendon supporter and draft analyst at Draft Central as well. So, you know, I think they're, they're ones who have good potential um, and, you know, they, they could be um, one of the better combinations here um, but they're probably a little more prospective than a few of the other crops yeah I think in terms of key position talents they're getting in a couple of tools which is something that you can't really say for the others uh, other groups per se there might be some with might have one or so although like compare it to the Bulldogs obviously they're getting in a couple of tools and Hagen's the top of the tree but in terms of most of them they're not getting in a couple of uh, potential key position players so I mean, if you look at that, they've certainly got a couple of players they can develop and work around if they choose to. Um, what we'll do now is we'll just quickly run through some of the others that are attached to clubs. Obviously, we didn't want to put them in how do we rate their club hall because they're probably individuals. Uh, the Probably the, the top one, uh, as much as I loathe to say it as a Collingwood supporter, probably the top one is Reef McInnes, uh, who's going as a uh, NGA for Collingwood. Um, you know, potential first rounder. Uh, in that sort of top 25 bracket. Um, just briefly, Michael, tell us a bit about him. Yeah, uh, Reef's a, a tall inside midfielder who's really strong, sort of pushed out to be a role player up either end with Oakley last year, but definitely suits the inside with his height and strength and agility and just that natural ball-winning ability. And then if we look at the probably the next one in the loop that uh, comes through is Connor Downey at Hawthorne. Now, obviously, another Next Generation Academy. Showed some good signs. Um, probably one for Hawks fans that they've been lucky they haven't played this year because I feel like he's one that could have really taken off and, and gone up the order. As it sort of stands for me personally, he's sort of in that maybe that 25 to 40, 50 bracket, like in that sort of bracket where it's not quite in that top 20, but he's in that next group down, maybe that 30 to 45 bracket. 
Um, so I think that represents pretty good value for them. Um, give us a bit of an insight into him. Yeah, I mean, he's one who's, I think, played Vic Metro footy um, for the under-18s as a bottom ager. So obviously pretty highly touted. He can play, I guess, anywhere along the line on the outside. So, um, you know, whether it's on the wing at half-back or half-forward, he's, you know, a penetrating kick and, and likes to take the game on with his run. So it'll be a pretty good option for Hawthorne, hopefully, if they uh, match a bid there. Now, we've mentioned three of the Northern Academies already uh, with Obviously, Sydney, Gold Coast, Brisbane all doing very well with their hauls. GWS Giants do have a player that we sort of anticipate will make it to the next level. Uh, not quite as high as his brother, though. Uh, the family, the Green family, has gone through this whole process before. Obviously, Tom going very highly last year, making his debut this year. Um, Josh Green uh, is a little bit taller, a little bit different. Tell us a bit about him. Yeah, he's an interesting type because... He's probably got the size and look of a key position player. Um, you know, he's, he's just about 193 centimetres and, um, you know, just has that strength like his brother Tom, um, perhaps a little more raw, but um, has even been trialled as an inside midfielder. So he's got really strong hands, can read the ball well in flight, but then, you know, they've tried to see whether he can fare well at ground level as well. So he'll probably be a, a later pick who can, you know, develop over time in that GWS setup and hopefully provide them some good value. And finally, we're just going to round up with someone who's got a bit of a decision to make um, in terms of he, he's a father-son and a next-generation academy, which makes it interesting. Um, so he's sort of father-son for both, really. Uh, in terms of Richmond and Fremantle, uh, we're talking, of course, about uh, Maurice Jr., Rioli, Give us a bit of an idea about what he offers to a team. Yeah, Morris Rioli Jr., obviously the, the son of the great Morris Rioli who played for Richmond and South Fremantle. So, um, yeah, I mean, he's a, an exciting small forward. He's got really good speed, but also tackles with intent. Um, I think that's really one of his best assets is that tackling pressure um, and just an ability to find the goals from any angle. Um, you know, it's just that sort of rare talent that, you know, I guess a lot of people lazily associate with the Arioli name, but I mean, he's got some of the traits sort of indicative of that pedigree. So an exciting type. I think uh, most people are resigned to the fact that he's going to preference Richmond. Um, but as you mentioned, he, he's tied to Fremantle as well and Essendon, given their, uh, their link to the Tiwi region through the Next Generation Academy. So an exciting one. I'd just like to lag on the end there. Uh, for Carlton fans, Charlie Mackay, who's really probably the only realistic father-son chance. I know there's a few people talking about others, um, you know, like Mackenzie Hogg and I think Tom Gleeson. Um, but, yeah, McKen uh, sorry, uh, Charlie Mackay from Sandringham is probably the only one who will really get a, a look in, I'd say. Uh, he's, a, he's one who's really come on the last year and, and pulled his finger out a little bit. Uh, according to the Sandy Dragons, and uh, he may well realise his AFL dream. Yeah, and, and so that pretty much wraps up our, uh, I guess, who had the best hauls for the NGA Academy and Father Son coming up. There's quite a few this year, as we know. That's why we can have a topic. Normally, there might be half a dozen, but we've got enough this year that we can really go into detail with some of those teams. So uh, thanks very much once again for joining us, Michael. Oh, pleasure as always. Had fun with this one. Yeah, for sure. We've certainly been going uh, going a bit more in depth about uh, the most academy listed players uh, ever, really. So now we're going to pretty much 
close this off and uh, make sure you're following us at Draft Central Oz AUS on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram and follow us on the website at afl.draftcentral.com.au and check out all the content in the lead up to the AFL Draft. That's it for the Final Siren Podcast. Hope you enjoyed and listen again next time.